What's up, One Church? Right? I got to be honest, that music on that bump just makes me want to take a nap. Um, we're going to have, like, if I was preaching, we should have had, like, some hype music. I'm like, okay. Well, hey, guys, my name is Luther, and I am the executive pastor here, and uh, I am so thankful that we get to serve you. Uh, with me today, hanging out, is my wife, Rhonda. Hello. So, what you need to know is that I am not the lead pastor or the teaching pastor. I'm the bullets and beans pastor, so y'all going to need to show me some grace today. And Rhonda is an elementary school teacher, and she likes to talk to children, and y'all are not children. So maybe y'all could misbehave a little, maybe pick your nose while she's teaching, some of that, and she will feel right at home. Um, I know that was awful. I shouldn't have said that. But if you guys will just help us a little. We're going to do true. our best. It really is. So if you can do like, think of whatever a fourth grader would do, fifth grader, do that and she'll feel right at home. So, hey guys, well, we are in week three of our Your New Default series. And it's just talking about those things that are hard coded in us. And so, so like if your phone gets all squirrely and stops working right, and of course you know how to fix it, you turn it off, right? And then you turn it back on and that fixes a lot of it. But occasionally your stuff gets so messed up that you have to reset the factory settings. You have to go back to like it was when you took it out of the box, right? And some of you are just like cringing right now because like like all my stuff's in my iCloud, but you know what doesn't come back in? Like all my passwords and my settings and every time I open an app, I'm like, oh, what was that password? Because it's been in my phone for a year and a half and I just open it and go or it looks at my face and it does the thing and but like when you reset the factory settings, yes, it fixes some of the problems, but it also comes with some new problems. And so in this series, we've been talking a lot about what default looks like. When we go to our default setting, what does that cause us to do? Sometimes it makes things better, but like I said, sometimes it makes things worse. And so our question has been, can you, can we, if we're aware of it, which we're talking about it, so you can't say you're not aware of it, and if we work on it, I can't do that for you, but I'm working on my mess. Can you make it any better? Can you have a new default? And the good news is, if you hang out at one church, we think the answer is yes. Because one of the things we believe about Jesus is that Jesus makes you better, and he makes you better at doing life. And we even say that about folks, if you come hang out with us today, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, and you're not so sure about all this Christianity stuff, the thing we can promise you is that even if you pull the, the, the word I want to use here, if you take the, the Christianity side out of it and you just take the practical steps that we talk about week after week, you'll be better at managing your money. You'll have better friendships. You'll treat your spouse better. You'll be a better parent. You will be better at life even if you don't believe all the things we believe, but you take the steps that Jesus asked us to take. And so in week one, Pastor Chris um, talked about moving from death to life. And, and in that, he talked about how Jesus offers us new life, just like he did for Lazarus. And the big idea that first week was your worst moments are where God can do his best work. And then last week, Pastor Carlo came out and talked about choosing trust over suspicion. And that's one that we all struggle with. And he challenged us last week that when the people around us fall short, and what we expected of them. So they say the wrong thing, they do the wrong thing, that we have the option, we can choose to say, I'm not sure what happened, but there must be a perfectly good explanation. 
So we have the opportunity to choose to trust the best in people. And the big idea last week was the greatest way to eliminate stress is to lovingly choose to believe the best. Sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. So today we're going to talk about the difference in being an orphan and being adopted as a child of God. And so I know most of you in the room, you just had this thought that we can take this sermon off. We don't have to listen. That today's talk really has nothing to do with me. But if you'll just stick with us for a few minutes, you'll be able to realize that this talk is for all of us. And so we're going to look at the word orphan, and it says that it, uh, the word orphan is most commonly, an orphan is most commonly referred to as someone who has lost both of their parents or, in some cases, one parent. But for today's message, we're just going to focus on being a spiritual orphan. Every one of us has been a spiritual orphan, and at some point in our lives, we've all been separated from our Heavenly Father. So here in a second behind us, you're going to see our beautiful family. This is what it looks like to have a mess. Um, And yeah, that little one on the right there in front of Rhonda, that is what precocious and out of control looks like uh, in a good way. That's our sweet little Emma. And so as you can see that you may have you know, used your context clues and guessed that this topic of being an orphan and being adopted is personal to us. Uh, And so while we may not be the best one church communicators, we are very passionate about this topic. Um, And today is not going to be a call for you to become an adoptive parent or to foster. Um, That's a message for another Sunday. Um, Today, we're just going to deal with what it looks like for all of us to have been an orphan and the impact that has on our default settings, because we've all been separated from our Heavenly Father before we started a relationship with Him. And so what you see here when you look at this beautiful, messy family is you see what God does with us. You know, we all have different stories and different backgrounds, but God has made us a family. We are a one church family, and we didn't all come from the same upbringing. And like our family, that that represents three different countries on two different continents. Um, I like to say we have two children from Ethiopia, two from Ghana, and two from me. And so that's my best explanation of what we look like. Um, And so for those of us in the room, we've come from different places and we've walked different pathways, but we've all become a family. What you need to know about that is that that wasn't easy. Um, That came at a a cost. Uh, We're going to talk about the cost that that God paid to to be your adoptive parent. We paid a cost to become their adoptive parents, and it was worth every penny. And if you want to know how much, I have no idea. I have never added it up, and I'm not going to, uh, because then there there would be a price, and I don't want to know that. Um, well, and it just wasn't a financial cost, but there was also a cost of, um, dying to yourself, me personally, and having to have different expectations, uh, than what I thought God was leading me to. So, yeah, I mean, we were old when we started our adoption journey. We were both 40. We had kids that like our grace, our youngest from me daughter is graduating high school in two weeks. And so we were heading towards like, you know, having kids out of the house and life and convertible and fun. And God had a completely different plan. And God said, adopt. And I said, no, thank you. And so then God told Rhonda, adopt. And she said, adopt. And I was like, but God, that was not fair. Like you backdoored me. You could have given me a little time to like fight with you a little, but he won. And um, 
So what about this family, though? What I want you to know, a couple things as we go through our story today. We are very much trying to protect our children's story because it's not ours, it's theirs. And so I know some of you are inquisitive and you may have questions and you're welcome to come ask me questions after and I'll answer the ones that we can, but some of that story belongs to our children. And so someday God may bring them up here and they'll share that, but until then, it's theirs. Um, And the other thing we want, you know, our kids have come through adoption like a lot of kids, different paths, um, but we very much respect their birth moms. We still have contact with one of their birth moms in Ghana and talk to her regularly. And, um, and so we just want you to know that as we talk about orphanhood today and what it looks like to be an orphan, uh, I know for some of you in the room, you are foster parents and adoptive parents, and some of you have been adopted. And we just want you to know that we are in the most delicate way possible trying to handle your story and our story uh, and be respectful of that. So... Um, as we talk about a father, I do need to just mention that I understand that for some of you in the room, father is not a good word. Some of you have had dads who have just not, they didn't do anything to look like their heavenly father. They were not a place of security for you. They were not a place of trust for you. And I just want to apologize. I'm sorry that there were adults in your life that didn't do the things they were supposed to do. And I understand that as we have a conversation like this today, it's going to be hard for you. It's going to be hard for you to set some of that aside for the next 25 minutes and say, I need to see what a heavenly father looks like. And I want to see what his character is because I know what an earthly father looks like. And it's not good, at least not the one I had. I mean, I'm not talking about my dad because he's sitting right over here and that would be hateful. But (laughs) hey, dad. And so, but for some of you, like I know, I've heard some of your stories. I've sat and we've cried together and talked together. And I just, I know, I know that dads aren't always great, but I just want you to understand that we don't need to take our earthly father projection and put that onto a perfect heavenly father. And I would say that there are some of you in the room that were like me. Um, and sorry, I don't use a microphone well. Um, and in my case, I had a a good earthly father. Um, I had a father, not perfect, um, but a good father, a loving, caring father. And and so it wasn't until my earthly father um, passed away that I began to see that I was putting a lot of dependency um, and a lot of what I was supposed to be doing with God and accepting from God on my earthly father. And so... After that, I realized that through a process, a very hard, long process, I realized that I was not giving my Heavenly Father full control, and I wasn't having full dependency on Him, and um, and so that for some of you, you're going to be like I, like I am, or I was. Yeah, and a lot of those steps for you, and step, I, we have a couple of our kids now who are still currently doing professional counseling. You did some counseling on the grief side and walked through some of that. Um, just want you to very much hear, to, hear us say today that at the end, we're going to have an opportunity to pray with you, but um, if these hurts are something you've experienced and these are things you're walking through, that um, good God-centered professional counseling may be the step you need to take, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Uh, It has been a huge part of the health of both us personally and as a couple uh, and in our family. So I could not encourage you to do that anymore. So so let's dive in. So let's talk about what it looks like to be uh, 
an orphan. Um, you know, for all of us here in the room who have started a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have been adopted into God's family, and you've been given a new name. And so for name, that sounds weird, but like we live in a culture where your first name, last name, so you're, like, I'm Luther Pennington Ramsey Third, and my dad said, I know it's a lot of name, right? You'd think I'd like have a better job or have more money, but this is all you get. Sorry. But my dad sitting over here is Luther Pennington Ramsey Jr. And my son chose to be Luther Pennington Ramsey the fourth is how hard I tried to talk him out of it. And so, which is weird, I know, because, but we adopted and so that's a thing. But your name matters. It gives you access to things. It tells the, tells the world who you are. You know, couple hundred years ago in your family, your great-great-great-great-great-grandfather may have been Jimmy, and he was Jimmy Williams' son, and eventually that turned into Jimmy Williamson, or maybe you were Susie John's daughter, and so eventually that became Susie Johnson because you had brothers, and well, they didn't, you know, they didn't treat women well, but that's how that worked, and so that's where our names come from, but our name gives us power. It gives us access to things, and so if you've been adopted into God's family, you are a Christian. You are a son and daughter of God that we just sang about, And but for a lot of us, the problem, the identity crisis that we run into is that you are no longer an orphan. You've been adopted into God's family, but you, we, I don't want to say you, we still sit in the struggles of our orphanhood. We still act as like we're an orphan, even though we have a father who loves us. And so let's talk about what those things might look like in our lives. And, and these are things that we have seen in our adopted children's lives uh, and that I know are things that, happen, that have happened in my life. So characteristics of an orphan wound or of, an orphan, of orphanhood, as we'll call it, um, orphans feel abandoned. You know, no matter how you become an orphan, whether that's by death of a parent or a parent having to give you up because of poverty or just because they can't parent well, that leaves a child feeling unwanted, feeling unloved. You feel like the world has let you down, and, and you're right. Um, and the trauma that comes for that, just it changes every relationship you have moving forward. Um, orphans feel afraid, like for our children, they lost everything. Not only did they lose their parents, but because they were adopted cross-culturally, they lost food, they lost language, they lost everything they knew in a normal culture. Um, and that created fear in them because everything can't change. Can you imagine being taken out of this world and put in a culture where you, you couldn't speak the language, the food all tasted funny, everybody did different things, you dressed different, walked different, drove different? It just leads to a lot of confusion and fear. And I know for some of you, you're thinking, well, I was born in America, and I'm in America, and I'm always going to be American. And, and so that you think, well, that doesn't apply to me. But we live in a world that has become very small. And I mean because of things like this, right? You know, 100 years ago, your great-grandparents, if something happened, if there was a hurricane in India, your grandparents may have never known. And if they did... Two or three weeks later, it was a blurb on the bottom of a newspaper that they got once a week, or if they lived in a big city once a day, at some point they may have gone to a moving picture show, and in the, in the things they ran before, the little news clip, a month or two later, they may have seen like a little, you know, like the old film projector kind of clip. But you know what happens in our life now? As a hurricane strikes India, or as someone goes in somewhere shooting, or when something goes wrong somewhere, I get an alert on Twitter... And then I open it up, 
And then I can watch in real time as someone else's world falls apart. And that has caused a lot of us to live in fear because we are so aware of everything happening in the world. It's all coming at us in real time and in video and, and with, we hear it, we, we, everything short of smelling it, we get to experience. Uh, and actually, Regal opened a new theater in Nashville that actually includes smell, smell and wind now, uh, I just read. So coming soon, maybe your phone will spit out smell, and then things will be even worse. But I think that has caused a lot of us to have a spirit of fear. Uh, we're just afraid of things because we know everything that's happening. Orphans have to take care of themselves. World... Our life started early, world got hard early. We've just learned to be self-reliant and I'll take care of it and I don't need God and I don't need you and I don't trust you and um, that's not the best that God wants for us. Uh, and fully acknowledging that things have let us down but we can still choose to take what God gives us. Orphans cannot depend on others. Just kind of covered that. This is one that really strike can strike home to a lot of us. Orphans... Cr- crave to be accepted and loved, but they doubt they ever will be. This is that thing where all of a sudden you think, well, do they really love me or do they just want something from me? Am I really good enough? Could God really love me? Could that person really love me? And the way that fleshed out for us in our home was uh, one of our adopted daughters really struggled with this for a long time when we brought them home. It really took us about a year and a half to really bond as a family in one of our adoptions. And every morning when this, when one of our daughters woke up, I mean, eyes open, the very first thing that would come out of her mouth was, I'm mad at you. Every morning. Good morning, bad morning, school day, not a school day. Eyes open, I'm mad at you. And our default response became, I know, but I love you, and I'll always love you no matter what. And so it it almost became humorous at some point when she started having the conversation for herself. So she would wake up, eyes would open. I'm mad at you. I know you love me. I know we're always going to be a family. But we continued to say those things over and over and over into her life until even though it made her mad to hear them, it, it became the truth. And for a lot of us, there's some things that we need to say every day into our life to fight some of the lies that Satan has put in our head. Um, we need to change some of those default settings. And we're going to talk about some of those at the end, but I just need you to know that for orphans, it's the lies they speak in their head. It's the sabotage that they create so that they can't be wounded again. And for a lot of us, we've been wounded of one time too many and we've pushed people away, and even though we want to be loved and we want to be in healthy relationships, we don't trust. We're not going to depend on people. We're going to push you away. I'm going to take care of it. I don't know that I'm really lo- I'm worth being loved, and we're just going to continue to push and push and push and then wonder why we don't have healthy relationships. And so that is what orphanhood looks like. So God the Father, he wants you to know that you are no longer an orphan but his child. And so we're going to read, sorry, in Ephesians 1, 5, and it says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So, if we're the sons and daughters of God, we can enjoy the love 
and the protection of a perfect father. We can't ever blow it enough that we'll lose his love. We've never had to earn it. He just invites us into the family with open arms. He gives us his name, and we no longer have to choose orphanhood. So let's read Romans 8, starting in verse 14 through 15, through 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received you sorry, instead you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Ooh, there is so much there. That's a 12-week sermon series just in that little passage. But let me unpack a couple things that stand out there. Um, the word Abba is not just a band from the 70s. Uh, yeah, right? Sweet. Got some Swedish music fans over here. Um, but Abba in the original language, which was Aramaic, that this was written in, Abba means daddy. It's the most personal version of saying father. It's not, oh, father, but it's, hey, daddy. It's that, it's the climb up in the lap, God, right? It's the, you had a bad day, you got home from school, you climb up in your dad's arms and you tell him the story and you cry a little, but you, real, you feel really safe as he wraps his arms around you and you think your dad is the strongest man in the world. And then you cry a little and your dad wipes your tears away and you realize, wow, he's really that strong, but his hands are also pretty gentle and he just wiped my tear away. And this is the safest I've felt all day and the best I've felt all day. And that's daddy God. That's Abba Father. And that's what we're talking about here. That, and and, and the, the verse there says, now we call to him. And one of the translations, it says, and we cry out, Daddy. That's the relationship that God wants you to have with him. He's not this old white guy with a big gray beard up in heaven playing with you like a piece on a game board. He is a Daddy God that wants to be a part of your everyday, every moment life. He wants you to know that you can cry with him, that you can celebrate with him, that he is your protector and provider, and he has all those things for you. Um, the, the other thing that we see there in that passage is it talks about now, if we are children, then we are heirs. I know when we did our adoption, both times we stood before a judge, and a judge made us understand that when you adopt these children, it is the same as if you gave birth to them. They are an equal heir with all your other children. You don't have like, I'm awful. I said this first service, but I'm going to say it again. It's the best I know. I'm a sports guy. It's not like you have varsity kids and JV kids, right? I know, worst parent ever, but that's the language I use. It doesn't work that way. They are all my children. They are all the same. And, and when I die, they will equally split my bills, and they will be really angry. But I'll let them fight about that later. But they are equal heirs. And what's really cool there is that it says, in fact, together we are, together with Christ, we are heirs to God's glory. We are equal heirs with Jesus to God's inheritance to us in eternity. So when it says God adopted you, he didn't put you on the JV team. He didn't have like my, my son, Jesus, and then the JV team. You became an equal heir with Jesus. So how dare us not live in that? 
How dare us think that we're not good enough? That I'm going to let what some idiot says about me determine what I think about me. So, what should our default be, our new default? If not alone and fear and mistrust, then what should it be? Well, the first thing is a child of God is part of a family and never alone. So if we look at scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. And so in this verse, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he is reminding them and us that community is part of being a child of God. And so here at One Church, we believe that real life change happens best in community, that we're all a part of the body of Christ. We're all a part of God's family. And then in Psalms, we see in chapter 139, verse 7 through 10, that it says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. And if I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. And here we're hearing from David. And um, David is referred to as a man after God's own heart. Yet, at the same time, David disappointed and, I think, oh, disappointed God and had a lot of failures. Um, and so, through his journey, we see that, that God, he found out, and so we can too, that God is always with us. He's walking alongside us, even when we feel he's not there. And so, many times... Others have failed us, and we've just failed others, and we think we're unforgivable. And so if we think we're unforgivable, then we think, God, there's no way, there's no way God can forgive us. Um, but God is saying, David's saying here, that God is constant. When everything and everyone else seems to have left us, God never will. A child of God can feel safe and secure. You know, we talked a few minutes ago that as an orphan, you live in fear because the world has shown you that it can be bad. And we, I talked about how for us, we live in fear just because the world has become small and we know everything and we see everything. And what we hear, and, and we, we're going to read from David again in Psalms 46, the first couple of verses. And, and David has had his, his mentor, the king that he served, try to kill him at the beginning of his life. And then at the end of, his, at end of his life, his own children try to, try to take his kingdom from him, and he has to run and hide and then come back and has to have one of his soldiers kill one of his kids. And it's just bad and lots of reasons to be afraid. And yet David writes here in Psalms 46 that God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and when mountains crumble into the sea. And he didn't say there that we will not fear because life will always be rosy and wonderful and there will be unicorns and rainbows and candy and chocolate will fall from the sky. What he said was, I'm going to believe that God is big and real and in control 
and that God has his hands on me and that if the worst thing that ever happens is that I end up in heaven with God, I'm going to be okay with that. And I know that's not, like, wonderful, but, like, you have to believe that your heavenly Father is good. Now, the world is bad and people sin and people make bad choices and those things hurt us, but we don't have to live in a spirit of fear because this is just a season on earth. And the way that plays out in our house and for our kids is we have a very simple saying, daddy's house is safe. We don't let people in our house that would make our house unsafe. We don't let things happen in our house that would make them feel unsafe. Daddy's house is always safe. Um, and I just want you to know that your God wants you to feel that way. So the next one is, a child of God can depend on their father. And so if we look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, it says, If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. So I don't know about you, but as we go through life, situations happen that can cause us to depend more on ourselves than others. And so God's word tells us here that he is always faithful. It's just his character. It's who he is, and he can't be anything else. And so this is something that I've had to continue to work on in my life. I don't know about you, but it's definitely something that I have to continue to work on. And God continues to show me that he is trustworthy. He proves it over and over and over. Doesn't mean it's always going to look like I think it should or how I wanted it and I envisioned it, but he is always trustworthy. How's that play out? What's the, what's the word we associate with that? What's the word you associated with that a lot of your life? What? Worry. Oh, yes. Oh. This is the, you yes. know, this is the one that worriers, this is how mm -hmm. you end up there. You have to be in control. I have to know the plan. I have to know the outcome. I have to know. I have to know. Uh, this is where worriers mm -hmm. end up, is in this place of not being able to depend on their father, not having, not believing that God is faithful. Yeah. And so my natural default is to worry. Like, that's my first go-to. Oh, I'm going to worry. What's going to happen? What's going to be next? That is what's natural for me. So I have to choose what God has told me and accept that. And then a child of God is free to choose trust. You know, Pastor Carlo talked about this last week, choosing trust over suspicion. And the way that plays out for a lot of us is one of the reasons that we have a hard time not tearing other people down when they get something wrong or not believing the worst in them is because when I take and push you down, it elevates me. And so when I realize what God has said about me and that God has placed me up here, I have no reason and no need to push others down around me so that I can feel good about me. Because why do I care what you say about me when the creator of the universe says that he took the time to map out every cell in my body and then asked Jesus to form it from nothing and then sent me out into this universe and breathed life into me. And he says that he loves me. And it says that having me and his family gave him great pleasure. Why, do I, why would I care what you say about me? I mean, we all do. I mean, if you tell me that I look big in these jeans, I'm going to be like, oh, but I love these jeans and they're stretchy and they're comfy. But it's like I'm going to go home and it's going to tear me down all afternoon. And that's not even getting into things like telling me I'm a bad parent or I don't love my wife well, like real stuff. But God has chosen us and given us an identity, and we need to sit in that, and that will allow us to not tear others down. 
And so a child of God is worth being loved. Ephesians 1, 5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. And so God paid the price through Jesus, and this means that you and I get everything that Jesus gets, no less, no more. So this makes me think, as we talked earlier about my own children and how I feel equally the same about all of them, whether they were birthed by their other mother or by me. And so God is saying that he feels the same about you. He doesn't love you any more or any less than Jesus. Our big idea says accepting your father's love changes everything. And so I heard a message a couple of years ago about by a man named Robert Madu, and he, it, he said these things. I am loved. I am a child of God, and he is pleased with me. And so I embrace those, and, and I go to those when my default is my natural default to not believe all those things that God says, and I choose to remember this, and that helps me, and I hope you'll embrace that also. Yeah, I mean, th this has meant so much to us, both for our kids and us personally, and if you're in our small group, this is something you've seen regularly, um, like this is such a part of our life that we've written these on cards and they're taped around our house with other scripture in my daughter's car on the rearview mirror. These words are written because we have to choose which truth we believe. Do we choose the default of what's hurt us and how that defines us? Or do we choose to sit in what God says about us? And God says that you are loved, that he chose you as his child and he paid the price to be with you and that he is pleased with you. It gives him great pleasure. We're gonna close as Riley comes out and we're going to sing that the song that we sang earlier, The Bigger Than I Thought You Were. And I just want you to know that there's a line in that in the bridge that says, I will rest in the Father's hands, and I will leave the rest in the Father's hands. And for me, that is sitting in Abba Father's lap and just resting. And for some of you today, you need to find that. You've come in, and the world is big, and the world has been mean, and you have been hurt, and you need just somewhere to rest. And some of it, just everything is out of control and you feel like you can't breathe because everything is just too much and you need to know that you can hand it to God and he'll handle the rest. And so as Riley sings, Rhonda and I are going to be down here and I think we've got a couple elders over here with us and I know Bob and Laurie Key are in Theater 15 and you're in there and if you would like to come over and pray with someone today about just what it would look like to have some rest, what it would look like to climb up in your daddy's arms and know that they're strong and gentle. And you can feel safe and secure and comforted. Riley. So I throw my cares before you. My doubts and fears don't scare you. You're bigger than I thought. So I stop on negotiations with the God of all creation. Cause you're bigger than I thought you were. Bigger than I thought you 
father's hand and leave the rest in the father's hands. Oh, I will rest in the father's hands. Yeah, I'll leave the rest in the father's. So I throw all my cares, my doubts and So I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation Cause you're bigger than I thought you were You're bigger than I thought you were yeah. You're bigger than I thought you were You're bigger than I thought you were So Lord, help us believe that this week Lord, give us big faith, big trust. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. It's in your son's name that we all said amen. Thank you guys for worshiping with us. Have a great week. Go be the church.